Three things in numerology that if you know these, they can honestly change your life. And I know this because I was broke and didn't even have a home and was really struggling. And I basically went from that to a best-selling author with Penguin Random House with a, you know, six-figure business in a year just by following these. So if I can do it, anyone can. And I've seen people do it. Like I'm not, you know, special in that way. And it's knowing your life path number, which is based on your birthday, your life destiny number, which is based on your name. and your. So what advice would you have for someone that's going through grief? Oh my God. Um, you know, when you're in that <laughs> that's okay i know it's tough you went through a lot this year and if you don't have any advice right now we can do <laughs> yeah. round four we could talk about the advice because you're going into your next year you know so if you're still in it that's okay yeah i mean it's just so hard when you're in that space to feel like it will ever be okay again. But honestly, it was leaning on my friends and um, just doing one nice thing for myself every day was really um, a game changer. Just every day I would get up and I'd say, okay, you're gonna do one good thing for yourself today. Um, changing your environment, helps a lot. Music. <laughs> All right. On today's podcast, we had on returning guests for round three, Caitlin Carehart, actually one of the most popular guests of all time on the podcast. And if you go back and take a look, she was actually episode number one of the podcast. So yeah, we talked about a lot of different things, but here are some key points. We talked about numerology. Right. And we talked a lot about numerology. So check the timestamps or the bookmarks, whatever you want to call them, to check out specific things. Other than that, we got really vulnerable on the podcast in specific parts. We talked about some of the hard things that we've been going through. So if you want some realness, this is definitely that episode. And also we talked about Lord of the Rings. And there's other a lot of other stuff too, for sure. But we talked a decent amount about the Lord of the Rings. And I'll tell you right now, spoiler alert. It is spoiled in this episode. So it came out a long time ago. If you haven't seen it by now, what the hell are you doing, partner? But it's okay. But you might not want to listen to that part. So when we start talking about it, I just want to let you know, it's going to be spoiled. But it's a great episode. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did recording it. And without further ado, let's get into it. You know, we've done, this is a third podcast together, and I hadn't really dove into numerology. Well, wait, I think we did the first time. No, no, no. That's not what I mean. I mean, like, personally. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. Like, the, the full. And I did yeah. it. And I started to do it. Yeah. And I think it was because when we discussed, I think it's the five, the year five into a six. Yeah. That's right? what you're it's in right nine now. into a one for you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, but we discussed... The cycle, not only the the year, but the month, and it was just ridiculously accurate. So much so, because it wasn't as though I, it's like a general thing, where I feel like sometimes with other systems, you can be like, oh, that general theme kind of fits. Mm -hmm. But I tracked it back, and it is just 
It's really crazy. And the thing is, like, I've studied so many different systems, like astrology and human design, numerology, the galactic Maya, um, the 52 card deck, right? And the most accurate, hands down, of anything I've studied are the numerological personal year cycles. When people come to me and they're like, hey, how can I change my life? I'm like, learn this. Yeah, we got to break that down, though, for people. Because I know, yeah. for me, I would have like, what the hell are they saying? That's what I would be thinking. <laughs> so... Here's my smooth brain analysis, and then mm-hmm. you can go deeper. Okay. So. <laughs> I want to hear this. Let's go. Basically, it's, there's years. Uh-huh. And it goes just. One through nine. Yeah, it's not double digits. It stops. And then there's basically a theme. Mm-hmm. And then there's themes for each month. Mm-hmm. And then those go those coincide. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I had like the November for me in a five because that was based on my birth information right yeah yeah. that ended up being like a a contemplative month Mm -hmm. and then the first the december is like a power month for me yeah and i felt the shift yeah today it's crazy when you feel that shift Mm -hmm. like it really is um to be like a, a little more clearer so basically the personal year cycles um Right, you should definitely describe it because (laughs) I knew I was going to scuff it. I was like, let me try though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, each year we're dealing with a theme based on our birthdays, right? And there are personal year cycles one through nine. And each one of those year cycles has a very specific theme that you're dealing with. For you, Nick, you're in a personal year five, which is change, a lot of unexpected changes, travel, um, defining your relationship to freedom, which is something we've really been talking about, actually. Like, you're like, should I go this way? Should I go that way? Um, Sensuality, like getting into your body, those types of things have been coming up for you this whole year. And then along the year cycle themes, we also have month themes. So it's like a mini energy within the overarching bigger energy. So I like to think about it as like a main character and a supporting character, right? So like the main character in your story this year is the five. And then the months are the the supporting characters, the supporting actors, kind of like a, you know, Ben Affleck is the main character, Matt Damon is the supporting actor, right? And they work together. But you're always going to be dealing with themes within that larger theme, your year cycle. And they go one through nine because in numerology, we always simplify to a single digit because the single digit is the purest form of the energy. So it's one through nine and again and again and again and again, mm-hmm. forever. Again, this is all based on your birthday too. So that's why you're in a five because you were born July 9th. Mm-hmm. Got it. That photographic memory is ridiculous. You know, I, know. I, I am a little jelly, honestly. <laughs> it's actually torture because I, can't, of, don't I even. can't forget anything. But I, I want that. No, you don't. My brain struggles. No, you're so lucky because there are times when I'm like, I really want to forget this one thing and I can't. And it's almost like you'll you've you've never seen an action that when we're like out and I'm like, hold on. And I'll like go in my okay, it's this. I have seen that. Okay. I do Mm -hmm. that with Rich sometimes, it really scares him. Um but yeah, so back to the year cycles. So again, like you're in your year five, December is your month eight. So, you know. We have to always look at the year cycle to understand like, okay, this is all about freedom and travel and change. But the mini theme is eight, which for you is going to be showing up in money and power. And there have been a lot of shifts for you financially, I feel like. Um, And you've been, you know, making shifts in your business and you renamed the podcast. Exactly. And you've really been coming into your power. I mean, like we're friends. So like, I know what you've been going through on Mm -hmm. a personal level, but you know, 
Nick and I, even though we're in totally different year cycles, we have been going through such a metamorphosis this year. And actually my year cycle is a nine, which is all about death and endings and surrender, letting go, completions. It's wild how much you have had that happen in your life. I know. You know, what's crazy too, is that even as a numerologist, because I track all my cycles, right? So I knew what I was doing in my last year nine. And for anyone listening, um, The last, whatever year cycle you're in, in 2023, the last time you were in that year cycle was in 2014. And that's because they're both universal year sevens, right? Mm -hmm. So you can go back and be like, okay, I'm in a year nine right now. What was I doing my last year nine? My last year nine was a great year. Like there wasn't, um, there were endings, but there were really positive endings. There wasn't like a lot of emotions. Like I've had to feel this year. Like I went through a breakup, but wasn't like that big of a deal. I moved cities, but it was like such the right decision. I felt good about it. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I went into this year being like, oh, it's going to be great. I had so much fun in my last year nine. No, no, it's been the most emotionally trying year of my life. Um, And Nick has really held it down for me (laughs) being there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, it's been really intense for sure. Yeah, you've had a lot of a lot of different trials. Yeah. You know, even like with your health too. It's not just like, oh, emotionally, you also went through a lot of health stuff. Well, the health stuff is was actually so emotional, you know. Right. I'm saying yeah, yeah. but I don't know if people realize that part of that is not just just emotional turmoil. It's also Oh yeah. It was everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was literally like God hit the reset button on me. That's what the year nine felt like. And honestly, all my close friends who are also in personal year nines, they also have really, (laughs) really um, been in kind of a similar place. Um, Not like I was, because it was almost like I went through all these these health issues, which made me feel like my body was broken. Mm -hmm. And then right when I was coming out of that, I went through a major heartbreak. So it was like my body felt like it was okay. And then my heart was shattered into a million pieces. And I was like, oh my God, how do I deal with this? Right. And then it was such like a crazy year of just sitting and processing and looking back at, I mean, when you go through big life transitions like that, it's not even about that. You know, it's not even just about like the health issue or the breakup. It's like, whoa, like I'm really looking at myself in a new way and looking at my life in a different way and making decisions in a completely new way because those are such big life-changing moments, you know? And again, like the nine is all about letting go. It's about um, that death before rebirth moment. And it's closing the whole nine year cycle, right? Because it's one through nine. So the past nine years, everything that I've kind of, my identity is shifting now. And next year is the one, which is all about new beginnings and the self. And, you know, what's exciting about that is that most things that you start in a one tend to take for the nine year cycle. So you know, I see a lot of clients that will start relationships or businesses or they'll move to a new place and it just takes. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> Woo. Looking forward to the next year, too, because that's yeah. a one, right? Yeah. And you're, and you're saying, going into a six, mm-hmm. which is the love year. It's actually nicknamed the marriage or divorce year, but you're going in there single. So I think love is definitely on the horizon for you. And also six is super, super magnetic for career. Like in my last year, six, I fell in love, um, got into a new relationship and I released my first book. Um, and 
it did really well. Is and- there a second book in the plans? I yeah. never asked you that. Oh, yeah, it is. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm just curious. You say first, wanna... you're like second. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I have, yeah, I'm working on my second Same. right now. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it did really, really well. And I didn't expect that, you know. So I, I really see that for you as well next year where you will have the partnership that maybe you're looking for. And again, just a lot of great things for you happening in career, especially because you've been setting yourself up, right? Because it's like, it's not enough that we know we're going in these year cycles. We still have free will. We still have to work with the it's energy like, of oh, the universe. Oh, is gravy. I don't have to try. I don't have yes. to do anything. Well, not try, but I don't have to show up because it's all good. And that's one thing that is huge about these systems. No matter what system you use, yeah. because people will dog on one system and say, well, you can use it for escapism. You use them all. People will use them all. Well, they're tools. Right. You know but what I you mean? can use the tool yeah. for you know, just to comfort yourself and not show up, or you can use a tool to embody. And so I think that's really important. Oh my God, that is so important. The embodiment aspect, right? Because, you know, you're, for example, you going into that year six, which is a love year, of course, like you're in the best energy to manifest love. And honestly, I have seen miracles happen in a year six, truly. (laughs) People who are like, I haven't even been on a date in 10 years, like that kind of stuff. And they meet and fall in love with someone, they get married. And um, again, though, it's you can't just like sit on your couch and be like, oh, he's going to show up. She's going to show up. You have to actually, yeah, you have to (laughs) actually work with the energy and be proactive, you know, like put yourself out there, be open, like tell God, the universe, like, here's what I'm looking for. Bring it to me. Right. It's Mm -hmm. like, again, you have to work with the energy just as anything. It's not enough to just know it. You have to also embody it. How do you feel like that ties into free will? You know, like, here's an example. Could I have found a relationship in a five? Yeah, I mean, here's the the thing. Like, we have free will. We can do anything at any time. It's just that within the year cycles, it's like the energy is more palpable. It's more potent, right? And again, like, I, I tend to find that the themes play out in a way where let's say you did get into a relationship in a five, there probably would have been a lot of changes. There probably would have been something unusual about it. Cause five is about unusual things, mm. unexpected changes, curveballs. But I always tell people too, that I believe that these tools are just one third of the picture, right? So like human design, numerology, astrology, it's like one third of the picture, but then we also have free will. And we also have what I believe is like, you know, a universal energy, God source, karma, that sort of thing that also plays out like, you know, soul contracts or things that are already set up regardless of what charts say or free will. Um, And again, like, you know, you could, you could be, for example, a, a life path five, which a life path five is all about change and freedom and, and traveling similar to the year five. And you could be like, uh, I'm just going to stay in this one town and work this one nine to five job for the rest of my life and never leave. But you're always going to feel out of alignment. You're always going to feel like pushed, like ah, something's wrong. And there'll be opportunities that come in that try and pull you out of that to align you with your purpose. But ultimately you can say no, you know, it's like there, there are a lot of people who come to me who say like they, they felt like they're off their path. Right. And then they discover numerology and they're like, oh my God, like this, makes so much sense. You know, like even for me, 
when I was in bands growing up and I would play live shows, I was never the singer. I was always like the guitar player or the piano player in the background. I never, ever wanted to be seen. I didn't want to be in the front. I didn't like that. I was really uncomfortable being front and center. But then I was always like thrust into the spotlight somehow. Like people would always come up to me after shows and like compliment me instead of the singer or when I'd be in the music studio, people would be trying to get me to get on the mic, like, oh, Carehart, you can sing. And I was like, no, I don't you want to. You can sing, though. Thank you. People don't know that. Yeah, I, I know. I haven't been making, I, I stopped making music this no, year in go, my you nine. Now, you are now, though. You're making music, kind yeah, of. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Getting back into it. But the thing was, is that I always tried to hide, but as a Life Path One, I meant to be more of a leader archetype. So I was always forced into that. And then when I discovered numerology and I was like, okay, let me just roll with this. Let me just actually go for being a leader and being more seen and see if things align more. And they did. Yeah. Hmm. I feel like on, we, so the other podcast we've done, we've, we've hit on numerology, but I don't feel like we went, I have more questions. Okay, let's go. I just might as well yeah. on the, on the topic, <laughs> because I know that there's so many people know about you're you're well known for partly numerology, right? Yeah. I mean, you wrote a fucking book on it, right? <laughs> so this is the time to Fangin ask. Fangin Random House found me to write that book. I was not, that was not a plan. What's that story? Uh, I don't want to hear that. Oh, I never talked about this with you? I don't, yeah, I know, I, I kind of remember it, but yeah. I don't think you ever said like. So I was, I was working as a musician in New York and um, I was doing numerology readings and at the time, I had a totally word of mouth business. Um, I had built that word of mouth business over a while. Like I didn't talk about it on Instagram. I didn't even have a website. Even my email was a generic email. Mm -hmm. so people didn't even like know my name that were getting readings from me. You know what I mean? Like it was, yeah, very word of mouth, right? But every time someone um, would get a reading from me, they'd always recommend people. And by word of mouth... Penguin Random House UK heard about me and um, I was put into contact with my book agent um, by someone who I had given a reading to. And they're like, I think this is the numerologist you're looking for. And they're looking for a millennial numerologist. And that's it. And I said to them, I was like, look, I'll write this book because they wanted all the numerology books are written like <laughs> from way back then, like 1920s, 1930s, or they're written by much older men. So they wanted a female millennial, like a younger voice. And I told them, I was like, no one's going to read this book. I'll write it for you. But I just want you to know, like, no one knows anything about numerology. Like this is not probably not going to do anything, you know? And I was just excited for a new challenge. And I wanted to get my own apartment in New York. This is like right before lockdowns. Um, and then, yeah, lockdowns happened. I wrote the book. It came out and it did really well. And now it's sold in places like Urban Outfitters. And it's just like wild. Because again, like most of like even a couple of years ago, when you would say numerology, people were like, huh? The name is cool. Yeah. It's oh, you name. are Cosmic Code. I like the name. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But it's true. We are Cosmic Code. I mean, I look at everything like that. I know you do too, obviously. You know. It's in the podcast art now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, 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 the simulation. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. very Matrix of you, but yeah. we're definitely living in a simulation. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Hmm. Now I'm thinking about all my questions. Where do I want to begin? So if I'm coming in 
like a dummy to mm-hmm. numerology. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the first thing? I mean, I don't want to be super basic, but... There are three things in numerology that if you know these, they can honestly change your life. And I know this because I was broke and didn't even have a home and was really struggling. And I basically went from that to a best-selling author with Penguin Random House with a, you know, six-figure business in a year just by following these. So if I can do it, anyone can. And I've seen people do it. Like I'm not, you know, special in that way. And it's knowing your life path number, which is based on your birthday, your life destiny number, which is based on your name and your personal year cycle. And if you follow the personal year cycles, you will come into a flow with your life. I promise you that. Um, Again, I've just done this for myself and I've watched so many people do it. You know, people who've signed up for my course or clients or friends or family, uh, personal year cycles, bring you into your flow, the life path and life destiny tell you, this is your purpose. This is what you're here to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just trying to wrap my brain. Know, Cause I you said, it, you said it fast. You can probably see my brain turning. <laughs> I see it. Yeah, I know. I see your brain, brain going. I'm just a God guiding. Okay. So I'm trying <laughs> come on when i'm trying to think of so can you describe so i got the the, you said personally your cycles can you go through the other two a little slower path and life destiny so your life path number is based on your birthday and that's the path that you're walking in life right it's like your strengths your challenges i'm a one that's Mm -hmm. what you're okay yeah yeah and then your life destiny is the the way that your life path is expressing itself, right? So if your life path number is, this is who you are, this is your purpose, the life destiny number tells you how to achieve that purpose, right? So So it's all laid out for you. Yeah, just those three numbers, honestly, like those will change your life, just knowing those. I mean, it, it really is that simple. And again, like if I was able to have miracles happen for myself, I mean, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty wild, but the personal year cycles, I have to say it's, it's been a trip to work with them. It's funny when I've sat in front of people who like, you know, think that these things are just like ridiculous, right? Like I've sat in front of a lot of finance guys in New York and it's funny because the, it's like they're, they're closeted about it. There's like, I get so many guys who will DM me. They're not hitting on me. They're actually full. Most of the time they're DMing me about some content that I posted that they resonate with so deeply, but they won't comment publicly. Like I had wild. Yeah, I had this happen. Um, I posted something about like Libra season or something. Libra's in love. And I had so many men slide into my DMs being like, yo, that's actually how I am in love. And I'm like, why don't you just comment? But they're like straight dudes who don't want, you know, but back to the finance guys. I, I do think that men tend to take more to numerology because it is practical. That's what it's, I was thinking. It's so easy. It's so black and white. It's really, I mean, we live in a mathematical world, right? Like the language of numbers, like there's not a day that goes by you don't see numbers, right? Whether it's, you know, looking at your computer or the time or a license plate in front of you or your bank account, whatever. We're always dealing with numbers, right? So a lot of finance guys in New York would always be like, oh, numerology, whatever, okay. Oh, oh, give me my birthday. And I'm like, okay, fine, just give me your birthday, that's it. And I would only go through the personal year cycles. And I'd be like, okay, so you got married in this year, but you probably got divorced in this year. Um, you changed jobs in this year, you moved in this year. Um, ooh, did someone die in this year? Every time I've done this for someone, th- their job will just drop to the floor. And they're like, how the hell did you know that? 
And it's just as simple as going through the personal year cycles. Like I won't know anything about this person, you know, and, and I've done this on podcasts with people too, other podcasts. And it's just mind blowing when they're like, how did you know? And it's again, just knowing your personal year cycle. So if I can urge anyone listening to do anything it is to please calculate out your personal year cycle, all that information's on my Instagram and just st- track it, right? Because humans, we're all playing out patterns. All of nature is cyclical. Why would we not be? And that's the greatest gift of this tool is to be able to, to see like, oh my God, every time I was in this year cycle, I did this. And that's a pattern of mine that I didn't realize I was doing. And when that occurs, you can break that pattern. You can break that cycle. You could, you know, shift into a different energy, right? Like if you always know that you go through breakups in a certain year cycle and you don't want that to happen, then you can like prepare for that shift into the light. Or let's say you're going into a money year, right? When I went into my last money year, I prepared for that months before. And I was like, I am going to send it. I'm going to... I'm I'm going to make more money than I've made. I'm going to launch all these products. I'm going to I'm going to launch the course. I'm going to do all these things. And I quadrupled my income that year. And I'm I've worked with so many clients. It doesn't matter what level they're at, you know, like multimillionaires or people who are, you know, not even at the six-figure mark yet, and I've seen things like that happen often when you prepare for it and when you work in the cycles. Your money year is not for two more years. I already knew you were going to ask that because I saw I saw you were like, what is that? But I told you that, That's remember? That's crazy that you can predict my brain like that. It's just guides be guiding. We got to explain what you mean by guides be guiding. Debbie. Okay, so here's a fun fact about Nick and I. Um, when did we meet? We met the first podcast. No, but how many? It's been like, it's been years at this mm-hmm. point. Do, do the people at home know we're actually friends? It's, I think two and a half. We're, we're real life friends. Yeah. 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 Um, two and a half years minimum. Um, at least. Yeah. The first one, you're number one. Yeah. On on the yeah. Animal Life Path One, Life Destiny One. Woo woo. Going to a year one. So okay. Um, we're actually in this woman's house. I call her Mama Pacha. You call her Tej. Um, who's gonna be? Who's gonna be on the podcast next? And she. Uh, is a galactic Mayan expert. And in the galactic Maya, um, we have guides, right? So it's kind of like astrology, right? So they're like signs, but they're glyphs. I don't know if that makes sense. But essentially, what you need to know is in this system, Nick is my guide. He's wind tribe. And I am Nick's guide. I'm a world bridger. And that's actually quite rare. Like you have to be a specific wind tribe for that to happen. How many is there? Do you know? 260 glyphs. And it's rare to be guides. Well, to come in. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. But we're each other's guides. So meeting your guide isn't that crazy. We will attract our oracle, but the fact that we are each other's guides. And so I I discovered that because our first conversation, I sent you a numerology report with all your numbers. So you kind of understood where you were at. And then um, I got your birthday. And so I obviously looked at what your glyph was. And when I saw that we were each other's guides, it's like, oh my God, we're going to be friends. Because when you come around the energy of your guide, it just connects things for you. Even, even if they're not even saying anything, it's being in the energy. It's like us going to the climbing gym the other day. Like I, I asked 
Nick to come to the climbing gym with me because I was going through something. I did not want to go alone. I needed his support. And ironically, like I thought he was there for me, but I actually was there for you too, because you didn't realize that you had this fear of heights that you were overcoming. And again, it was just us guiding each other, right? So whenever Nick and I come into contact with each other, I mean, I, I can't speak for you. I assume mm-hmm. that we always just have those like light bulb moments go off and those aha. I mean, we do come to each other often for advice. Mm-hmm. And it's not even like, it's not even your expertise. It's just like us being able to be like. Just resonance. Yeah, exactly. Like you just know what to say to me at the right time and mm-hmm. hopefully vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we don't want to hear it. <laughs> That can be double-edged sword, right? But we keep it real with each other. Let me tell you, we do very direct. But the gym was crazy. Yeah, the climbing gym was crazy. It was the best time ever. That was that was such a fun day, and we had burgers after. It was phenomenal. It was a phenomenal day. Mm -hmm. I just want to even let it be known that when I went the first time, I didn't even go up the full way. Yeah, we went twice. The first time, I didn't even. Well, you're getting used to climbing too. I had never climbed ever. Yeah, yeah. And you need like finger strength and you were were holding on with your... I was messing up a bit. But the second time, it was a spiritual experience. I swear it was just... Dude, climbing is deeply spiritual. There's something about being able to push past the limit of when your mind says no. Yeah. And I think that the more... And you were shaking violently on the wall too. And he was was still going for it. And I've been there too. And because you're... You're so pumped and your your muscles are so tired. And he was like, ah, you're like facing this major fear. So you were like sweating, your heart was beating, but your body was also like, whoa, what are these movements? And you're so up high. And Nick's a big guy, like you're six four, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, <laughs> and he was like, I'm going. And I was like shouting, like, Dagobah system. Because <laughs> I told him, just like, you are Luke Skywalker. This is your training. And then when he came down, I was like, you're a Jedi now. You graduated a Jedi status. That was crazy because that was so motivating. Yeah. You just said that. Mm-hmm. And you also said, just take the ring. <laughs> just I take know. the I, ring, Mortar. Every time, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Well, you know how important Lord of the Rings is to me. But every time I'm doing something really challenging in life or I'm really facing like an internal battle, I think to myself, like, take this ring to Mordor. Like, I literally will think about Sam and Frodo. And I'm like, they did it. You can do it, you know. Oh, I think I about literally get chills right now <laughs> thinking about that. No, like Sam's speech. I <laughs> literally read that this morning. Mm. Yeah, it's. I think movies are really underrated by the spiritual community. People start to say things like, "Oh, you shouldn't watch movies; they're programming." But the movies can be what? such good metaphors. But there's also good programming too. Right. Right. Exactly. But Lord of the Rings. I mean, like. It's like the most important story of our time. Like when I, there are days, cause my brother is also, both my brothers are just as obsessed with Lord of the Rings as I am. And I'll text him every now and then be like, how lucky are we that we live in the time of Lord of the Rings, that we got to like read those books and see those movies, not the TV show. Let, let me just make that very clear. I do not support that, but the movies, oh my God. Did you watch the TV show? I tried. I watched it. I watched the whole oh thing. Oh my God, I couldn't. I just had to see. I it, had to see what it was like. I didn't like it. You didn't did you like, like it? it? Oh my god! I think they like did something with the ratings to boost them because they were really bad, and now they like went up. I'm like, yeah, I don't trust like that. Right. No. But did I like it? 
I, l- I like the fact that we get to see more of the universe. Now, mm. it's always cool, but it's not anywhere near what the originals were. No, but those, that story is just so timeless. It's so powerful. I mean, I literally cry every time I watch Lord of the Rings. Weren't we talking about that? And you're like, what parts do you cry at? Was that you? Mm-mm. No. <laughs> Someone was asking me that. I was like, this scene and that scene and this scene. And they're like, oh, yeah, those are really good. So when you're, when you're thinking about Lord of the Rings and how powerful it is for you, like, what, is, what do you think the archetypical message? What do, you think it, what do you think that message is at the core that really speaks to you? Oh, my God. There are so many themes that are going on in that. I think it's just there's this underlying message of doing what's right and what's best for the good of all that I find really inspiring. And I also just think it's so beautiful that they're doing something that is impossible and so hard and everything is against them. It, the, it's the classic hero's journey. And yet they do it and they do it with the help and support of each other. You know, the, the fellowship really. And well, we can go deeper into that, but it's such a beautiful story of persevering and facing adversity and like staring evil down and being like, not today and good triumph, triumphing over evil. And even like the core story of the, the friendship between Sam and Frodo is just so inspiring. Like Frodo is a broken hobbit (laughs) in that in that series and sam you know tolkien said that sam was the real hero of that story and he is you know and it's like i think we all have those friends in our lives and those people in our lives where we're like i cannot keep going like i'm i'm broken or i'm dealing with grief or this happened or that happened and to be able to lean on someone that you love who just has your back like that you know Again, I could talk forever about Lord of the Rings. It Keep was, going. I, I, my, yeah. I got like chills four times. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was actually um, my last class at uni was a philosophy of Lord of the Rings wow. class. Yeah. I was the only girl. And when I walked in, uh, I'm not going to lie. Everyone laughed at me and was like, what are you doing here? And I was like, what do you mean? It's Lord of the Rings. Like people did not believe I was as into Lord of the Rings as I am. And I did not open that book the entire class. I didn't have to. And I got a 98% on it. And by the end, all the guys that were sitting around me were cheating off me. I was like, please, please. (laughs) Like, Lord of the Rings is my jam. But again, we can go as deep as you want to on that topic because it is one of my favorite things to talk about. But also... Yeah, I don't I don't know how how into Lord of the Rings you even are. I've never asked you. Well, we did try and watch it one time, but let's let's get it on record <laughs> as to why you didn't want to watch it. Go okay. ahead. Sure. Nick Nick was staying in an Airbnb and the TV was very small and not good resolution. <laughs> it was not very small. And I said, Lies. "We can we cannot do this because the films are beautiful. I am not going to watch The Battle of Helm's Deep on this tiny little TV." No. We, it was it was dishonoring Lord of the Rings. It was 35 inches. It wasn't super small. It was mid-size. It was, it, a was mid-size. Sm- it was small for Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it was too small for Lord of the Rings. What if I told you that I watched the series again on my phone? On your phone? Yeah. 
were you like in an airport? No, I was doing red light therapy. And I was on the, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You watched Lord of the Rings on your phone while doing red light therapy? Yeah. I'm assuming you didn't do the extended versions. So you sat there. No, I did. Extended versions? No. Four and a half hours staring at your phone. Watching each film. Well, I was moving. I was doing red light one side, doing this, doing that. Yeah. Okay. The luck of your shot. I need you. I need you to also upload the photo you sent me of you the other day when I called you. And I'm like, are you in your car right now? And you're like, no, I'm doing red light. And then Nick sends me this photo. It's so ridiculous. He has little goggles on and he's like sitting back and it's all red. You just, you have to drop it into this video. It'll be on the screen right now. Okay. Yeah. That was such a good photo. Wait, remember that photo that Aubrey took where something went wrong with your face? Can we post that one too? No. (laughs) That one's dumb. You look like a wax figure. It's the dumb, the stupid night vision on the iPhone. That's why that happened. But we'll put it in for the memes. We'll put it in for the memes. That will be made into a meme 100%. The fucking red light therapy. (laughs) We, We got, I got that like a month ago. And I've yeah. been, I've been like, what kind of products do I, I want to, we haven't had that many products on the podcast. And I was like, I want something that genuinely works. Yeah. Well, obviously. <laughs> no, I only want products that don't work. Right. But some, yeah. there are things that you're, no, people I get will go it, on yeah. podcasts. It's just like this little thing that's like kind of helpful. I want something that's going to, yeah. you know, change someone's life. If I can. Yeah. Right. If it exists. We're changing and- people's lives today with the personal year cycles. Well, yes, we that. just changed lives. In the red light, I've been wanting red light for a long time. And Wait, is this your first experience with red light therapy? Ever. ever? Ever? Wait, so you never did it before? No. Wow. I've never had one. See, I got super into red light therapy after my health issues. And I'm so skeptical. I just assume nothing's going to work and nothing does what it says. No. Red light works. is, it really is such a game changer. It works. Especially when you do it first thing in the morning. I would, I had this little like uh, routine where I'd wake up in the morning and I would make tea and then I would have my tea in front of the red light and, and before bed too. Well, that's when you were doing it. Hold up. Wait a minute. All this talk about red light is a perfect time to introduce a new sponsor of the podcast, that being a guest's company. If you go back, I believe it's episode 37. If it's different, I'll put it in here. But episode 37, we had on Joshua Hanna, and he's got his own company, MetaHuman, and he has red lights. And let me tell you right now, if you can see me, look at how bright these things are, right? Your boy has been using the red light and uh, you know if you've been watching the podcast how important it is to me to have products that sponsor it that allow the podcast to keep going that actually work that actually make a big difference and I'll tell you right now the red light has made a tremendous difference not only in my life but you can hear her talking about how much she loves red lights because this shit actually works so we partnered. We have partnered here at the Human Game with MetaHuman to bring you these red lights. And here's a special deal for you. What I wanted to give you is. 
15% off, partner, before Christmas. So if you want to get yourself a Christmas gift that actually gives back to you immensely, this is science. We're going to do a whole episode with Joshua on the benefits of red light, but I have seen tremendous strides in my elbow injuries and also my back injury. I really wrecked my back uh, on a dirt bike and I've talked about it a couple times on the podcast and this has been one of the first things that actually helps the cells heal and it actually got better using the technology of the red light and my elbows too so I can work out more I can do more functional stuff and it has been immensely beneficial I use this every day twice a day even more than that so highly recommend it check it out 15% off before Christmas link will for that will be in the description or show notes depending on how you're here with us on the podcast but check that below for more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. while watching lord of the rings wait that's crazy i can't believe you're doing that on your phone wait when i called you no not that was a while ago that was probably like a week ago two weeks ago why have we not discussed Wait, you watched all three because i wanted to wait to tell you here to see your reaction oh my god dude <laughs> But which film is your favorite? Which character is your favorite? Oh, remember when you told me, sorry, ADHD here. Remember when you told me you want a Legolas hair and I really want to advocate for Aragon hair because you already are a brunette. It just makes sense. No, it does. Yeah. I wanted to try it. Okay. Favorite character, favorite film. I know it's so hard. I would have to say, I think the character that, it's interesting. This is a hard question because like favorite is in most important or like favorite as in you like how it was done. Your personal favorite. I think it's probably a tie between Aragorn and my man, the dwarf. It's Gimli? so good. It's so what? good. He adds, he adds so much value. Oh so, my so god! Ma- no one has ever said Gimli was their favorite. I'm just saying, Gimli brings so oh my god, much. That's why you were talking about Gimli the other day. I was like, "Why are we having this discussion?" <laughs> it's good. It's the it's the humor, the comedy, the 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 characters just so well written. Yeah. I mean, obviously there are more important things to the story, but in terms of the characters that I like, yeah, that's. That would probably be it. Aren't you me. a caves environment? Uh-huh. Well, there you go. In human yeah. design. Yeah. And I've seen you with an axe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You like them. I'm not short, but I feel like I have that. Well, actually, um, that actor is the tallest um, in real life out of the fellowship. Really? Yeah. Isn't How that interesting? Do you know? Uh, I know he's over six foot. He's a quite tall person. Yeah. How did they do that? Uh. I, I forget the term. It's like a weird perspective. Like, oh, I've seen that before. It's like yeah, an optical it's like, illusion. Yeah, yeah. It's in the um, the extras. Mm. It's on YouTube, actually, yeah. Of course you've seen the extras. Oh, my God. Of course. I watch them on YouTube sometimes. I haven't seen any of the extras. But what? That would, <laughs> that you would love that. I know. Now I gotta ask you, who's your favorite character? It's interesting because I've been... I've been in love with Lord of the Rings since I was a little kid. Obviously, the movies came out and that changed my life. Like when I was a kid, I had like a loss, like folders that I brought to school. Wow. Yeah, I was like that dedicated. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's another level. <laughs> yeah, like as a kid, like a loss was my favorite because elves. 
are really dope and magical and like him with a bow and arrow was just sick. Like, I mean, I could reference some parts of the movies, but I won't. But no, you can reference them. I mean, in right before when they're traveling to Helm's Deep and uh, I forget what the name of those creatures are that attack them when Aragorn goes off the cliff and Legolas. The orcs, just orcs. No, it wasn't orc. Well, yeah, they were on. They were on something. I forget the name of the, the creature horse? they were on. Yeah, remember when know. they came? I don't know what it's called. Yeah, you know, yes. when they had an ambush, and yes. then Legolas is just sitting there, you know, arrows going back. You like archery, and then a archery. horse comes, and he literally grabs the horse and like swoops over it. Like it's just the craziest move. But Legolas, and obviously as a little girl, I thought he was really cute and handsome, and I I aspired to grow up and be an elf. But as a woman. Aragon. He is just like the picture of perfect masculinity. Like such a man of honor and strength and just damn Aragon. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Have you ever bow and arrow? Have you ever done any archery? Surprisingly, no. Mm-mm. I'm going to get a bow. That's I something know. That I told you I was going to pick up. When I do, we'll take you out. That'd be and, so fun. And try it. I have handled a sword. You have. And guns. Okay. <laughs> Not that there are guns in... Wait, there is actually a video on YouTube where they replace some of the weapons with guns in Lord of the Rings. Oh, I've seen that. It's very childish, but funny. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's a hard question when you say who's your favorite because all the characters are so well done. There's so... I mean, also, it's like we can't forget Sam. Mm-hmm. It's just Sam doesn't have that, like, badass... Well, actually... It's a different type of depth. When he fights... That giant spider. I mean. That should give me nightmares. Right? But the bravery was like back with the light. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Just incredible. And Sam battling with that, too. Huh? And Sam battling with that, too. That's what I'm saying. Sam battled that giant spider. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to mix that with Frodo for a second. Plus, like, Frodo would have never put the ring. He would have never gotten to Mordor without Sam. Can I say something controversial about the end? Okay. <laughs> I was a little, when I first time I saw it, I was a little like, damn, Frodo didn't, wasn't able to. I know. Fucking complete it. I know. I was like. That's so disappointing. I wish I would have seen him just fucking send it. Fucking. I mean. Dunk it. He did. Yeah. He did. But it, like, I think they <laughs> overdid. It. I feel like they overdid the, like, him turning again. You know, I feel like it was so stressful to watch that. It was very stressful. I remember being a kid watching that and just like, are you kidding me? Three movies in and he's not going to chuck it in there. Exactly. But I think that also because I've thought a lot about that. It just is the power of the ring because the ring is so evil and it turns you right. And he was carrying it for so long Mm -hmm. that he grew an attachment to it. You know, spirituality 101, attachments aren't good. <laughs> so you think he grew an attachment? You think that's why? Yeah. I mean, it, it was like he was turning into Schmeagol. It's like his precious, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He fell to the temptation. Exactly. Well, it was, he, he felt a love and a desire for the ring because it was so powerful and it was attaching itself to him, right? Energetically. Like an energy vampire. And so. People when, do that shit with money. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. So, I mean, it is the most powerful ring in existence that, that had been created. So 
it makes sense that it wouldn't have been so easy for him to just toss it in. Um, I mean, he was getting pretty dark in the end, though. He was very spicy. I love how they did the eagles kind of. I know. Oh, my God. I know. I always tear up at that part because Sam and Frodo, they just accept that they're dying. And and Sam's talking about how he would have married that girl and like, oh, how great that would have been. And they're just like, it's over. It's done. And then when you're watching that as a kid, because I hadn't read the books yet, I was like, oh, my God, they're going to die. And then you see Gandalf on the eagles and you're like, oh. I know it's so powerful so to mix them together now let's do it do you know any numerology of any of the people um the characters you mean well you can they they wouldn't be characters right they don't give them birth dates the actors i forget what tolkien is what do you know about him um a lot of the inspiration that he used to write um, the books came from his own experience with war. Like orcs, for example, represented how he saw groups of people when they get together, like mobs, and how dumb people can be when they're following a certain ideology and they band together in a large group, right? Um, but every single one of the the types of um, creatures, characters that were in the book represented different archetypes to him. But yeah, he had fought in the war and lost a lot of friends. And so he took a lot of that inspiration in there as well. There's actually a there's a movie about Tolkien as, that came out a while ago with Nicholas Holt. Uh, that was pretty informative. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy, too, that he invented the Elvish language. Like, he actually invented a language. Do you speak it? No. When I was a kid, obviously, I spent a lot of time trying to learn that. But no, I do not speak it. Uh, it's beautiful, though. Um, and he's like, well, I invented this language. I might as well write these books. <laughs> he did. He's just a genius. It's crazy. Think about how much he had to even imagine up. Like, he created languages and and different realms and this whole world. It just, it blows my mind. Did you know? he create it? Did he create it? Or what? He discovered it. You know, I have thought about that when I was a kid. I used to think there's no way that someone could create that. It must exist somewhere and they're just tapping into it. Like, and I thought this with Harry Potter too as a kid. I'm like, Hogwarts has to exist. There's no way J.K. Rowling just imagined all of this. It has to exist somewhere for us to imagine it, right? And so I think a lot about that as like a little 10-year-old trying to be like, I still think about it. <clears throat> I know. Well, it's just I still like, do. Mm-hmm. I feel like there has to be a realm that we're tapping. Because it's like, how? How? <laughs> you like imagine all these. It's just mind blowing. And how do you keep it all straight too? I wonder if there's something to do with the multiverse. And maybe these people who write these stories like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings, they somehow maybe they incarnated or they somehow are more connected to certain realms. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like maybe Tolkien actually that was his past life in a different realm, different universe or whatever. And so he had the the knowledge and I was going to write about it. Or the Earth has been around for so damn long. It could have been a past life. On Earth, well, you know, some in people, this realm, some people do believe there's a Middle Earth. So there you go, right? Like a Middle Earth is in an Earth inside. Uh huh. Like a a Garth 
Hartha or something, I think it's called. So Hollow Earth. Yeah. Right. But I've heard it referenced as Middle Earth. It would be the same concept. Yeah, but that's what is in Lord of the Rings too. Middle Earth is what it's called. Or Mordor and the Shire. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about how plausible that could be all of a sudden. (laughs) Hey, if, if it exists, if Rivendell exists, we're going. How do we get there? That, that's the thing. I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> but if it's there, we're going. And then I will learn Elvish. And live forever as an elf. I thought about learning Sanskrit. Oh, yeah. Because you've been really into the Bhagavad Gita lady, mm-hmm. lately. Yeah. There's going to get that Om tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> already got it. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. Let's go. But... Oh, this is fucking merch too. Fucking shout out right here. This is sponsoring the podcast. This has been five years ago. I thought about doing this. That you want to know why? Wow. For those that are listening, I have an Ohm shirt that's like minimal. It looks like a a logo, like a small logo Mm -hmm. on the side. And the reason why it's been five years is because I thought to myself, I like like the Adidas Nike type shit. When I was, you know, into athletics and that shit, Mm -hmm. that type of stuff. I like the minimal logos. I never wore the big ones. And yeah. I was like, but I want something that means something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because I just felt like it was kind of dull. Like, I'm promoting this company for what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I thought about oh, how, like, like... promoting more of, like, an idea. Exactly. Versus a, a brand. That's why I've said that the clothes have meaning. Yeah, like, this has meaning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Though people who work at Adidas would probably say there is meaning to that logo. Cringe. <laughs> not true meaning not like deep meaning it's a meaning that like okay i don't even know i can't even comment it's capitalistic it's some bullshit yeah. this is like some true no, meaning I get it. you know yeah. what i'm saying totally yeah but you're promoting ideas and concepts you're the second coming of alan watts <laughs> you know i thought about learning sanskrit and i was reading the bhagavad gita the the yogananda commentary and i'm sure on the podcast there will be episodes up by this point with that. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I'm reading as I'm going through the commentary is that it's not, it's so, and this is something that anyone who, I maybe I just didn't even realize this. It, it is definitely like this with a, like Dan McClellan, who does mm-hmm. the Bible a lot on the talk. He's he's a scholar with that. Oh, I haven't listened to that. He, okay, is that's it good? wild. It's ridiculous. It's the best. Because I grew up with the Bible mm-hmm. because I was always in uh, religious school, and so like a lot of my upbringing, I was having to memorize a lot of Bible verses. And but again, like when you're a kid, those don't really have as much meaning as when you're an adult, and you can really take in that meaning. But I've never listened. That'd be interesting for me to listen to something like that now. Yeah, just wait until. I break down the holy science. Okay. This book mm-hmm. is literally, it's so mind-blowing because it's, I almost am like, I, I'm reading it and I'm like, I need to understand this better. The Bhagavad even, Gita, right? No. It's a book called The Holy Science. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's yeah. It's a different book. Oh, wait, we talked about that the other day around so. the fire. It's by Sri Jaswar. Yes. We were yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, the yeah, Yuga yeah. Cycles. Yeah, yeah, the fire. yeah. That's something different. But, uh, well, no, it's not. It's the same book, but. Yeah. In that book, it talks about people, I'm like at a loss for words because it's so difficult to describe. 
it talks about how many things, but he will say Bible verses with like seven candlesticks or seven this or 14 this or whatever the numbers and and it's like symbolism and yeah and nobody understands it most people don't understand it and then he'll talk about how in the the east in these kriya yoga traditions they've got it all figured out and it will be so complex as to describing consciousness Mm -hmm. and i think people it's that nobody's doing that nobody's talking about that and that's why i'm passionate about it i think the future though I think maybe Nikola Tesla or someone said this. I think I do think the future is science blending with spirituality because you cannot, you can't really separate the two. And that's why I started going down that road much, yeah. much more. Even started making much more about that because I realized that. Yeah, I knew that a long time ago. I got away with from it because all this like other shit that it was like mind candy mm-hmm. and there, and i started to come home and realize how important this shit is but people don't understand how well these yogis have broken down the science of consciousness like yeah. i'll have to show you if we were at my place right now i would break out the book and show you mm-hmm. and i will i'll well, break I'll it just, down on the podcast I'll get the book yeah and read it and then watch yeah. the po- i'll do podcast on it because it's so ridiculous. It's only 100 pages, by the way. What? Yeah. I'm imagining like a 700 page book, which is fine. Your, your, the Bhagavad Gita translation, the commentary yeah, is so 1,000. Yeah, I've actually never read the Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking facepalm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got to read it. Yeah. With commentary. If you read it without commentary... You'll get it. It'll sound like the Tao. Maybe I'll listen to it when I drive back to Nashville, whenever that is. Just listen to the commentary I do on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It'll Th- give you. That'll be much easier. Yeah. You know, what's crazy is when I, as I'm doing these, I'm filming these, one, get this, one verse, which is probably uh, like four lines. I think the first verse mm-hmm. takes him like 60 pages. of com- 60 pages of commentary on one verse. Okay, and there's a lot wow. of verses. <laughs> so it's yeah. very complex of a break. That's why it's a thousand pages. Yeah, but he's like it's 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 been said that it's uh, Paramahansa Yogananda's most comprehensive breakdown. Yeah. So if like that man is a legend, people yeah. don't understand that how much that guy. Well, his a autobiography is really famous. It is. That's yeah. A, that was that's like the Steve Jobs' one. favorite book. I think that that's what everyone knows it for in pop culture. Right, but people yeah. don't go deeper, and that's what I love. Yeah. And it's interesting because um, you said I'm the second coming Alan Watts. I look at a lot of Alan Watts' stuff, but he never really did the Kriya Yoga. He never really talked about the yogic stuff. Mm-hmm. And I find that, like, I'm really interested in that. Yeah. I think there's something about Yogananda. There's something about the specific lineage, specifically what they had going on, that story, that really speaks to me more than others. I don't know what it is. It just resonates with you. Like, There's something about it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just like, I love Lord of the Rings. Well, who doesn't love Lord of the Rings? But, you there know. are people. Like, okay, well, that's what I'm saying, though. To me, that's like the greatest story of all time, but some people might think. I just asked Eisen uh, if you've seen, ever seen it. He said no. <laughs> he is in for such a treat. Eisen, if you're listening, please go do yourself a favor. And I mean, my brother and I talk about that sometimes. Like, I wish I could just erase my memory and go watch Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings again. 
You know what's hilarious? Hmm. Is he named his men's group the Fellowship, and he's never seen Lord of the Rings. I'm like, what? That's you can't do Dude, that. He's Flag gonna love on it. the play. He's gonna love it. I told him you better watch. You should this, watch right? it with him when you go to visit him. I will. Yeah. Yeah. But um, now I'm trying to think about. Can I bring my? Can I wrap my mind back around to numerology? Is it possible? Oh, yeah. Is it even possible? Anything's possible. We talked about, okay, you get into it, the three things. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, here's a question. Okay. What are some of the, the nuanced, more complex parts of numerology that mm-hmm. most people haven't looked into that could be helpful for them or that you find interesting mm. or you find profound that most people don't know about numerology? Well... That's an interesting question because I do feel like numerology just isn't really that mainstream. So I kind of feel like even what I would consider basics are unknown, right? Because there numerology, it it goes so in-depth. It can go forever. And there are what I typically tend to teach and show people is like elementary math. But there's numerology that's like very elevated, very complex mathematical equations, which like we don't even go there. But like pretty much anything can be broken down. Like the whole you are cosmic code, that is a real thing, right? Like you can kind of find anything within the numbers. Um, but I would say something that I I tend to find that people truly love that, you know, interestingly enough, I don't love it, but like people love it is the soul urge number. Um, Basically, the soul urge speaks to like, your deepest desires, like your heart's deepest desire. And I don't mean love, um, just like what your soul just like craves. And a lot of the times it's a number where you may not even know it's something that you're like souls yearning for. Right. And that, that will happen sometimes where people will be like, yeah, maybe that kind of resonates. Then a couple months go by and they're like, oh my God, yeah, actually. Right. Like it's so deep within you. Like you might not even be aware of it kind of desire. Um, people just love that. I did not put that in my book because I didn't think it was that important of a number. Um, I did write a chapter on it and then, you know, I had a limit with the words that I could put cause penguin. Um, but I actually offered that, that bonus chapter in, uh, numerology 101, which is my signature, uh, program. And again, people just, they're always asking for it. They always bring it up. It really surprises me. And I think it's because for a lot of people, they do have breakthroughs where they're like, oh, wow. Like, cause we don't always realize our motivations, right? Like you may think that you're motivated to do something for a specific reason, but actually that's not what's driving you. Right. So I think people have a lot of breakthroughs with that number. I don't even know if that answered the question. It did. Oh, okay, cool. But you're telling me there's a... What? It's called a soul wait, urge wait, wait, number. Wait, 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 wait. We gotta, we gotta just really th- ponder this. Mm-hmm. You're saying we're in a simulation. Yeah. And, and there's a soul urge number. And there's a destiny number. Yeah. There's a path number. Mm-hmm. Personal year cycles. We talked about that. But just thinking and about And those how are much, just some of them, by the way. But I'm just thinking about the, how it's all laid out for you. Yeah, it is. It's like right there. There's like the code, the code of the the, the code of the simulation, the code co- of the video game. It's like right there. Yeah. 
Well, and that's the cool thing too. It's like the more that you work with numerology and I, again, I've had so many clients reach out to me about this after they did, uh, readings with me or, or took my course and they're like, yo, like I see everything differently. Like the more that you work with numerology, the more you start to speak the, the language of numbers, which is the universal language. Think about it across all countries. We all are on the same number system. Even if we speak different languages, it's, it's like music, right? It just, we're all using the same system. It penetrates. So it's really interesting when you can start to understand your own code. And then when you're seeing numbers, when you're out and about, you can understand what that actually means, right? So for example, if I'm out and I'm seeing ones all the time, that's going to mean something way different to me than it will to you because you're not a life path one, right? So like to me, so 1111 doesn't mean the same thing to everyone as you see online with your angel numbers here, and shit. No, no, do not <laughs> get me started on angel numbers. Remember when we talked about that on the last podcast and people came for me. Let's do it again. That was messed up. Let's okay, go people, again. That was really messed up. Okay. Here's the thing. I do remember that now. Yeah. <laughs> you called me and you're like, Carehart, are you okay? People were mean, vicious in the comments section. I don't remember that, but I do remember how people got salt. Why do you think so many people got salty about like saying angel numbers aren't are accurate? people are so attached to the meaning they're giving the numbers. And hey, that's fine, right? So like if your grandma's birthday was, you know, December 4th and you're always seeing one, two, four, and that's your special meaning for it, then fine. But numerologically, that's, the meaning of that is different, right? So it's like, and again, people go online and they'll Google like, what is, you know, 666-555-111 mean? All these different numbers. And they'll get some generic, your angels are with you now, which is absolute bullshit. And it pisses me off because these are codes that are being communicated to you. And you can interpret the correct meaning for you through your, through your own knowledge of knowing your own cosmic code. When you know your own numbers. Well, true numerology is what you're saying. When you yes, know numerology. When you know your own numbers, then these become activations. You can understand the messages that are being interpreted. But let's say, for example, I've seen people get, um, say that eight is change. Eight is the only number that has to do with the material realm. It's the number of money and power. So, if you're seeing 888 and you're like, yay, change, and that's what you're focusing your energy on, you're missing a pretty amazing opportunity for to focus more on like money and what's going on with there. But you take it a step further when you understand your own cosmic code and you're like, where is eight within my coding? Again, you, you have to think of it through that lens. Now we're going to post that clip and see what the level of consciousness oh of people are. Come on. <laughs> people, you know what surprised me about that is that people were pretty upset about it. But what surprised me the most is how many comments that I saw of people just tearing me down for what I looked like and just me as a human, like not even talking about what I was talking about. And I found that just to be the strangest on some petty bullshit yeah it was really weird because i'm like it's fine if you disagree with what i'm saying and of course i always encourage debate and you know you can challenge 
whatever I'm saying, like, if this isn't your cup of tea, cool, take it or leave it. Like, I'm not trying to force anything on anyone. But the fact that people were just like, you know, this bitch is so fucking ugly and stuff like that when I, it just blew my mind that that kind of hate would come through me talking about angel numbers, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, this wasn't even a, it just, yeah, the internet is a wild place. You're not the only one. We've posted plenty of things where people just are on some bullshit. Yeah. It's really wild. It's bizarre that people do that. I What I don't get is how do people have the time? Like, if I well, saw have, something yeah. online that I didn't like, I'd be like, cool, I don't like this. On to the next thing. Like, it doesn't... Even things that are like, maybe would be really triggering for me based on my history and past. But I'm just like, okay, I don't like this. Unfollow. Don't watch. Like, it's strange when... You think you're not even talking about something controversial and people want to attack you. Welcome to the online, <laughs> just being online, the nature of humanity right now. How do people have right the time, now? though? It's so much energy to do that. It is, but it's worth it when you're trying to justify in your mind to, yeah. that, to them. But I think my interpretation of what you're saying. Yeah. In my mind, you're saying there's a simulation code. Yeah. Right, we're getting back to the one, one, one thing, right? Yeah. There's a simulation code. The code of the video game essentially has a built-in meaning when you understand the code. Yes. And what people are trying to do with angel numbers is change the meaning to fit their own. Yeah, but uh, their the own... message the message is wrong if you're interpreting it based on what some random person said on online that's like angel numbers versus like actually using numerology and your own cosmic code to understand and decipher the messages right so that's why we're saying angel numbers i think Mm -hmm. it's interesting though if we just think about the concept of using uh seeing a specific thing in relationship to your past in in kind of like the example you were talking about how someone might, or in my own case, my dad always liked a number 41. So every time he saw 41, it meant something to him growing up. Yeah. And so I and think- And that's okay too. To right. That's what that. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Is like, there, both of those things can simultaneously be true. Yeah. You can see 41 and you can be like, oh, or you can even see 11, 11. Yeah, you might be can, like, oh, that's a sign for me. That's my dad. Yeah. yeah. Or I'm on it. But simultaneously, it can still have a deeper meaning exactly. as to what the code numerology numerologically did i say that right yeah yeah. well here's the thing though i'm all for personal you know application to numbers right like people do this all the time they're like you know my grandma passed if i see this number that's a sign she's with me or if i see an owl that means this right but for me what i don't like is that there are a lot of websites online that talk about angel numbers and you know they're not taking into account numerology and they're just making kind of things up you know like it's always like it's very generic like your spirit guides are with you now and this is happening and it's not for me it's not like the right code it's kind of like if someone was to take astrology and they're like oh nick you're a cancer sign but to me that's a fire sign and this means you're that and it's like okay well let's honor the ancient tool that is kind of Am I making sense that? A hundred percent. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's we're saying the same thing. We're speaking the same language. Wait, I think you posted on Instagram recently, or maybe it was Robert. It was Robert. Um, So maybe you saw it, Robert Edward Grant, um, that 
some scientists actually discovered that like could prove we're living in a simulation because things in nature, there was an algorithm to it mm-hmm. and it was coded. It was coding. Did you see that? No, my mind is on a whole different train of thought right now. Because of what I just said or no, before? No, no, because of something else that, that came up for me when you mentioned Robert. Okay, go. A memory that I had. Yeah. On that first podcast, this is ironic that how it comes full circle. Oh, because I brought up that you should meet him. On the first podcast, you said, you should meet Robert Grant. And I said, mm-hmm. if you go back and watch that podcast right now, you will find in that episode, I said, I'm going to meet him. Yeah. And then guess what? You did. A year later. Yeah. Or whatever. He messages me and says, I love what you're doing. Yeah. And then we start talking and we become friends. And then I go podcast with him in person. Yeah. And so just let it be known that if you put shit out there. We manifested it. People want to say that manifestation isn't fucking real, but sometimes it's just. You know what, though? I think. I feel like the things I've manifested, like the biggest things I've manifested have always been like things I wasn't trying to manifest or it was something I wasn't attached to at all. And I was like, oh, yeah, I could do this. Like, I remember before my book deal came through, I was writing numerology content for this tarot artist because we put out a deck together, a numerology astrology deck. And I remember as I was writing, I was like, I feel like I could write a book. I feel like I could write a numerology book. And I just said it and didn't care at all. Never thought about it again. And then I got that email a couple months later being like, hey, do you want to write a book? And I think it was the fact that I was not attached to writing the book. I was like, eh, whatever. And that always tends to be when I manifest things. And I feel like it was the same with with you. You were like, yeah, I'm going to meet Robert one day. I didn't even but think about it. You weren't really focused on it. I, didn't, I don't think I thought about it one time in between it yeah. happening and not happening. And then I wasn't who, like, I'm going to meet him. I'm going to meet him. Yeah. I was just like, I literally said it and I forgot about and it. And then guess who slides into the DMs? It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I gotta go to the bathroom. I'm gonna explode. You said, I hope people like Lord of the Rings. I can't fucking operate like that anymore. You know, some if people, you don't like Lord of the Rings, you're not in our crew. No, it's just like <laughs> the, the concept. I think that that question stems from like a, a thought process where you would make a podcast projecting what people will like and won't oh, like. Oh, I see what you're and, saying. And you're yeah. not actually. Film- it's gotta be true to yourself. Well, yeah, like. I don't do a podcast thinking to myself, what are people going to like? Let me talk about that. It's, I want to have a conversation with you. Yeah. And that's more important. Like a genuine conversation is more important than like this arbitrary measure of where I need to steer the conversation. Because to me, this this isn't an interview. Like I don't do- it's not? I don't do interviews. <laughs> no, but I know. I think the difference between an interview is like when people have preset, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. I don't fucking have any idea what I'm going to say. <laughs> but that's always the best. Like for me, I like listening to podcasts where I feel like I'm like hanging with friends. That's what this is. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like a, a predetermined thing. And- that's what I like too when I listen to podcasts. That's why I don't do it, you know, yeah. where it's all pre pre done. It's like fuck that, you know, because I feel like then it's not genuine. Then, yeah. Then I can't be genuine with you because then I have to try and appease what the image is in my mind of what I think people will like. Yeah. You know. That's a that's a good point. So if people don't like Lord of the, Lord of the Rings, the, the, that's why we do the fucking bookmarks. That's why we yeah, do timestamps every video. Well, you know how much effort I put in to do that, by the way? That's something I never talk about, but time t- the timestamps take for Don't fun. talk to me about editing, because I've been editing too, oh, you, and you it's know. been nightmarish. <laughs> nightmarish. It does help me pick up clips, though. Yeah. 
because you can use the AI software to do clips now. Mm -hmm. But when I watch it myself back, that's how I... It actually helps me to get better at podcasting mm -hmm. because it helps me to understand, am I interested in my own podcast? And if I'm not, then we got a problem. Yeah. Because I used to... Well, you like, can edit out the parts that you're not interested in. No! That's, <laughs> that would just take away the entire premise of what I was saying in a genuine conversation. It's not about interest. No, I know. I get, I'm just fucking with you. I know. I know. God's gonna God. I get it, but... Okay, wait, wait. I got a question for you. Oh, okay. Because sure. you, you brought up asking questions. Uh -huh. What was the biggest challenge you had to overcome this year? Since we're getting to the end of the year, it's year five. It's a good question. Yeah. Let me fix this. How many, how many times are people asking you the deep questions, Not Nick? Not very often. So let me, let me guide you. Okay. So, so the question is, is what is the... What was the biggest challenge that you had to overcome this year? Oh, shit. Myself. I mean, isn't no. that everyone's greatest challenge? Not necessarily. <laughs> people will be like... People are always... I read a book on uh, self-sabotage this year, and it made me realize that every single human being, to a certain extent, is self-sabotaging all I think, the time. Yeah, I think at the intrinsically, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. But I think people disguise it as external things. Yeah. To, to actually give it some sustenance here... This is one I've I've have never talked about, but I think that for me it was my own. It was my own to get over. There's two ways to say this: the positive and negative way. The positive way would be like me letting go of this part of me that didn't want to fully step into my own interests mm. because my mind had and this is actually goes back to what we literally just talked about mm -hmm. my mind had an idea of what it thought i should do oh yeah versus what i genuinely like to do and what inspires me and what interests me and so mm -hmm. i realized like i was really for a while there, I was enjoying doing skits. Like, it was nice. It was cool. It was a good break from the green screen video. Well, you had a three, five things. Right. Yeah. Which basically just means Great trial. Great life experimenter. Yeah, just try yeah. a bunch of shit. So, and then when I went through all of the, the breakup, and then I went to New York, and I was in the woods, it was like trying to to move in a movable object to get me to do skits. And it was like, why is this happening? And then yeah. I was realizing that I was doing things because I thought that this is the way it's the most entertaining or it was like, this is the thing that I should be doing versus just mm. genuinely. And, it and you took were me having fun in the beginning. I remember when you sure. started doing them, you were having a lot of fun. But mm. I think in the end, it just wasn't what was like nourishing you on a soul level. I like talking. Yeah. And I like talking. I like the comedy and I, and I, I still like that. But... There's just a part of me that d likes just fucking yeah, talking about just doing different this sort of thing. Yeah, and and yeah. even just like on my own, even just talking about certain philosophies and 
and shit like that. And so it's actually like embracing the more Alan Watts side, you could say, because yeah. we've talked about that. And I actually tried to push it away for a long time. And I looked at my own podcast, my own work, and I'm like, how the hell did I make it this far when I was so limiting myself? I was actually like kind of blown away because I feel like I have so much more within me that's mm. co- that's now coming out and it's it's getting yeah. out there. But there's so much more that I haven't shared and it just, I feel really grateful for as far as I've made it knowing in my, and nobody will know this but me, but my own potential of what I could have done. There's nothing yeah. wrong with the way I did things, but that part of myself is just like coming to terms with that, accepting that I did that and that I wasn't operating optimally for the last six months. Mm-hmm. And then taking initiative to actually do that. That's why, you know, there's two podcasts a week now because I know I can do it. And yeah. I'm going to go up to three. I'm going to do one. My goal is to do one science, one spiritual, one Talking. person, yeah. like two person. So yeah, I think this year has been a lot of my own unwillingness to give it my all. Not even like just try. It's not about trying. It's about full embodiment. And yeah. that I think for me, that goes in many ways. Like my weight was out of control for a while there going up and down mm. uh it wasn't like out of control like it was like it wasn't 315 pounds i was probably like 225 mm-hmm. my heaviest at 64 and now i'm down to 190 so just reining everything in and then it's the, that discipline i feel like too that you're like stepping into but also it's a groundedness as yeah. as your friend and confidant i also feel like for you there was some of that was because the clarity wasn't there yet. Exactly. And something that I've learned this year, and I tell people all the time now, I'm like, if you're not clear, it's because it's not time. And I think that you had to be alone in New York to process a lot of things, to move through a lot of things, to have these breakthroughs and epiphanies. And then that led to these you know, bigger aha moments and you being able to be like, wow, I need to be embodying more of this. And you know, here, here's, here are the places in my life I really need to clean up. That was the first time in my life I had been truly alone as an adult. Yeah. Ever. Like I always had You someone... did it really well though. Thanks. But it's interesting because you were in New York at the same time I was in London. Mm-hmm. I was in, <laughs> for those that don't know, I was in upstate New York. Yeah. I was in the woods. I was up by Canada. I wasn't in like, I didn't go near the cities. He was very isolated. Yeah. And I was basically alone f- July, September, then I came here in October, right? November. Yeah, you were here like October 7th. Yeah, and so three months here, but two months in New York. And I haven't been alone alone. I mean, I still am alone as in I live alone. Well, you did have Jax. Without human company, just me and my dog. Me and Jax, yeah. So it's been an experience. And it's been, I realized how full of shit I was, uh, how much shit I was telling myself. Um, and I think there's levels to it because I think most people yeah. would have a hard time admitting that. But for me, it's just a level of just realizing you can still be embodied to a certain amount, still be achieving what you want to achieve to a certain amount, but you just realize that there's more. Yeah, so course. it's like percentages. Like yep. I was probably 50% embodied and that got me to where I was. Then I started to see, oh, what's that other next 20%, next 20? Yeah. It, it's not like a zero to but 100. You're, you're leveling up, right? It's like, if we're going to take your analogy of, you know, we're in this human game, it's like you're graduating to that next level. 
right? So it's like now you have new superpowers where in the previous level, you didn't have access to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, there's been a, a large part of me on a personal note that has been, I've rejected the part, a part of me from the last couple of years because originally what I loved was, I've said this before, but I got into this because I had like a, a moment where there was a pulsing in like the middle of my forehead and I'm like, what the hell's going on? And there, that's a whole story. But what got me into it was I started to study Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, or actually it was uh, You Are the Placebo, that mm. book, Dr. Joe. And then mm-hmm. at the same time, I was studying Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life, which is oh, yeah. Wayne Good Dyer's book. interpretation yeah. of the Tao. So mm-hmm. Taoism. And so I got into it and then I got into like all this other mind candy shit that like took me away. And there's been a part of me that's like, why did you do that? Like almost rejecting myself because I know that what I'm doing now is what I really wanted to do. Like what took me so long when I was in Hawaii staying at Matt Nash's house, who's been on the podcast, Yoga Couple. During that time when I did that podcast with them, I was reading the Bhagavad Gita, the the same book, but it took me... Eight you're, months yeah. to get together. And so their consciousness I'm, has changed though. Right, like, right. We'll right. revisit things that didn't resonate at all. Like I read The Untethered Soul this year and it honestly changed my life in the moment that I read it. When when I tried to pick it up in the past, I was like, whatever, I don't I don't care about this. I didn't need it. It was like you didn't need the Bhagavad Gita then. You needed it now to have this epiphany. Yeah. And so for me, it's just like not denying yeah. that those parts of myself anymore and being like just loving to myself and i feel like a lot of men struggle with that like being okay Mm. because to go back to i think at the beginning what i was talking about was there's this part of me if if i had to say the biggest epiphany i had Mm -hmm. and i want to hear yours biggest epiphany of the year and your biggest struggle of the year oh god so start thinking about that (laughs) lord (laughs) but the, the biggest epiphany i had if i'm being completely honest was that i was never truly okay with the moment the present moment Mm. I was always like, I need to achieve more. I need to do more. I need to put out this next video, next whatever it might be. And I was never genuinely happy. Not never. Let's let's not say that. No, I see. I what think you're there saying. was moments yeah. where I was, and and for me, embodiment, and I, I you know I was pushing myself because in order to do this at the level I do with so many podcasts, um, with so much content and other things too. There's a level of like discipline, which we talked about. Discipline's good. But there was a part where I never felt like this present moment was okay. It was good enough. And so mm. the epiphany that I had was, how much am I denying this moment? Like right now, what am I experiencing? Am I okay with this moment? Like, is it all right? And then the, the epiphany was, is asking myself, like the question of, are you trusting that it's okay that you're experiencing this? Are you in your soul trusting that it's all working out beautifully? You are right where you're supposed to be. Are you, are you trusting that? Mm -hmm. Or are you saying that you're not where you're supposed to be? And what does that lead to despair? It leads to consistent unhappiness. That's insanity to me. And so that, if I had an epiphany this year, it was like, I would have moments, I don't know, 50% of the time I was happy, but then there was a large percent of the time where I let go of my own embodiment, my own kind of metaphysical embodiment for the sake of doing things. And so for me, it's like bringing that back to um, what's more important. And to me, the mastery is in doing both things. 
being able to strive and achieve and to do and to take action in the world, but also simultaneously being okay with where you are. And I think if anyone is missing, if humanity is missing something, I think that's one of the big missing pieces is, yeah. is being able to do both. You don't have to just be like, I'm okay with where I'm at and I'll be okay with this the rest of my life. It's not necessarily that. It's not necessarily like no. giving up desires. Yeah. It's like there's two sides to it in the modern world. That's what I see in implementing that. Yeah, be here now. Yeah, that was a huge epiphany I had to learn this year too, of just like being so in the present moment because that's the only place where you can actually find peace because the future doesn't exist yet and the past you can't change. So there really is no time but now, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it's true. And I think part of that is there's a a lot of the spiritual culture, the metaphysical culture is to use, people are using the future self, the future timeline mm -hmm. to then feel those feelings and to step into that embodiment and then bring that into the present moment to learn mm -hmm. how to feel those feelings again. And I think that's an important practice because if you don't even know what it feels like to feel good, if yeah. you need to use the permission slip of the future to do so, okay, great. Yeah. But if you're doing that and it's just causing you to feel like this isn't enough right now, I'm not enough right now, that's where you got to realize, okay, well, what's what's the root of my unhappiness? What's, what's the thing that I'm not addressing? Yeah. So you can use that to bypass your own inner work right now. So that's the question I'm always asking myself is, am I doing that? Even, because there is a future version of me that I want to bring in. You know, mm. there's so many things that I want to bring in, even if that's external physically. I don't think that's okay. Or I, I think that that's completely okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that's that balance. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. But um, okay, so tell me, uh, what, what's your biggest <laughs> thing you work through? Oh my God. You work through a lot of things. Yeah. What's just one of the things and it doesn't have to be that good. I think the hardest thing I went through this year was um, living with grief. I've never had grief in my life before. I've had sadness. And, you know, I've had, I've been through a lot and I've had a lot of like ups and downs like most humans, but I really sat in grief for a lot of the year because again my health issues and then going through this breakup and just saying goodbye to so many different parts of myself and grief is an interesting thing it it's foggy you know when you're in grief it's really hard to see outside of it and that was again I had to come back into my present moment Cause I was like, it was like, I was like, you know, a ship in the middle of a storm. I was like, I can't see beyond this moment. I just have to be here and to give myself grace and compassion during those moments. And to just really not judge myself and all, all the lessons that grief taught me. To be honest, I didn't know that, that you, a human could feel that much. Like, I didn't realize the depth of emotional pain that a person could go to. Like, I could intellectualize horrible things happening, but I had never felt that depth of um, emotional turmoil. And so to go through that when I was typically a like, pretty happy, bubbly person for most of my life was 
honestly a little traumatizing, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, it was, it was incredibly challenging. I still am kind of going through grief and it's taught me a lot and I'm grateful for it, but that was hands down. I mean, I, I just have so much compassion and empathy for anyone. It's like, my heart is like a hundred times more open than it ever was, you know, to anyone who's going through anything. I'm like, Oh my God, how can I be there for you? Like, I get it. I've been there. And just that really also forced me to have to prioritize myself. Cause for most of my life, I was like, how can I help you? How can I serve you? Putting everyone else before me. Um, and then having to be like, I actually don't have anything to give. So I have to sit with myself and give to myself and be my own best friend and my own everything in this moment. And it was, it was, it was the hardest year of my life for sure. Yeah. (laughs) It was a lot. (laughs) You were there (laughs) for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Damn. All the crazy moments. London. Remember you came to Nashville and we got dinner. And then from that moment to London to... When was that? When was that? When we... um Oh, you came when you got your car. Oh, that was... When was... Like, when was that, that date? Like, what, what February time February or March? Oh, it was earlier in the year. Yeah. yeah. I remember you talking about. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. There was a lot that happened between that and... I know. Wow. Yeah. Honestly, like... I don't even say this with ego and I'm sure anyone who's really dealt with um, grief or been through a really hard time can relate to this. Like my own inner strength shocks me. Like (laughs) there were moments where I, the grief was so strong that I was like, I I don't even know how I'm going to like survive. Like, am I just going to go to sleep and like die tonight? Cause it was that intense and like visceral. And to know that like, I still got up every morning and I still took care of myself and I still did the best I could every day was like, I'm good, you know? But yeah, it was, it's it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) So what advice would you have for someone that's going through grief? Oh my God. Um, You know, when you're in that, <laughs> that's okay. I know it's tough. You went through a lot this year, and if you don't have any advice right now, we can do <laughs> round four. We can talk about the advice because you're going into your next year. You know, so if you're still in it, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's just so hard when you're in that space. To feel like it will ever be okay again. But honestly, it was leaning on my friends and um, just doing one nice thing for myself every day was really um, a game changer. Just every day I would get up and I'd say, okay, you're going to do one good thing for yourself today. Um, changing your environment helps a lot music (laughs) yeah music for sure music helps dancing helps any sort of expression little john you're telling me about oh yeah oh my god (laughs) so i uh sometimes when i got really sad i would just 
<laughs> I would put on the most ridiculous song that you could never cry to. Like, um, Nick and I were doing something and it was really hard for me. He was helping me face a fear. And as I was driving, I was like, oh my God, like the emotions are coming up. And I had some like kind of like not happy music on. So I decided to put on Lil John and the East Side Boys, uh, whatever, get low, you know, to windows, to the walls. And it was like, you can't cry to a song where the lyrics are till the sweat drops down my balls. Like it just, you're not going to cry to that. So that's really helpful. Like when you're sad and in that grief, just like, do not listen to sad music. Like if you need to cry it out, okay, fine. Put on one sad song, but don't get stuck in that. But I mean, honestly, it's just like treating yourself right and loving yourself. Like even waking up and like making yourself healthy, good food and calling a friend when you need them and asking for help. That was like the biggest thing. And you really helped me with that too. Cause you were like, let me be here for you, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That's what friends are for. True friends. You know, sometimes you, those moments will teach you who your friends really are. I've had that happen. Yeah. You know, people disappear when it's hard. Oh, for sure. People want to be there for the, the, the high times. Exactly. But, you know, it was really hard for me to accept help for a long time because I was always the one helping everyone else. And so learning to receive was a really big one this year. And, you know, you you did definitely help me with that. You're just like, listen, I know you're going through it. Just like, I want to be here for you. And you, you had to say that like a couple of times <laughs> for it to really stick. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think it can become foreign to people who have never, not never, but haven't had a lot of experience with people that don't want some, something from them. Because that's what, when you have friends from the past, sometimes it tends to be transactional. Yeah. Like, I'll be there for you when you give me something. And so, I think that that's what we're stepping into. Yeah. Well, you you don't even realize, too, like, I didn't realize that there were friends like that in my life. And then when I didn't have anything to give, you know, because, again, like, I'm so used to taking care of other people or people come to me because they want answers on things like, oh, what's going on in my charts and all that. And I have really good boundaries with that. But... Yeah, I mean, people are really uncomfortable with strong emotions. And not that I was Some you know, people necessarily are, yeah. showing that. But when someone tries to get close to you and they're like, how are you? And like, how are you really? And I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm going through it. But at the same time, so many people stepped up in my life. Pe- like there are people that I didn't even know a year ago who were like holding my hand in my apartment like, while I cried and being like, I love you. I'm here for you. Like that was the craziest thing too, is just, yeah, some people leave, but then there are people that you would never expect to enter your life or people that like you considered an acquaintance. It's like you made room for those people though. Yeah. That just all of a sudden they're like, you know, man, like I, there was this one woman that I met in Nashville and she just like, relentlessly pursued a friendship with me and was like, I know you're hurting. I'm going to be here for you. I was like, I don't really know you. Like, okay. But she ended up being like one of my biggest like confidants this year. And she's always was checking in on me. Even when I like, I wouldn't message her back. She'd be like, Hey, I I love you. I'm here for you. You know? And 
in, in a really loving and kind way, not like a creepy stalker way, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And again, like, it's just, I'm sure you realize too, cause you went through a lot this year as well, especially when you were alone, just like the people who were showing up for you versus the people who were like, Oh, Oh, you're not this image of perfection, this five line that I, <laughs> that I thought you were, you know, and people project just because like people follow you. They think that, Oh, now you're must be perfect. Or you, you're not a human. Yeah. Like you have it figured out because right. you're talking about all these spiritual concepts when really I, like we're just as fucked up as everybody else. You know, we're all living this human experience. It's really hard. I think the only difference is like, we're just know. televising ours in a way. Yeah. And also I think, you and I are dedicated to growth. Not everyone is. Not everybody wants to look at their stuff. Not everybody wants to transcend. Not everybody wants to grow as a being. I think there are people who do and people who don't. And so when you are dedicated to that path, I think it's a lot more challenging. Like there were definitely nights, days this year where I wish that I could just be someone who like goes out to the bar and drinks and forgets about things and just woo party and same sometimes that does come up for sure and i haven't had alcohol but i think i had like one or two beers doesn't count (laughs) you say beer because you're german yeah yeah (laughs) like i had a beer like twice in the last six months but that's it no but that's what i'm saying you don't numb yourself that's the thing it's like this year i radically was like i feel this pain within me, this emotional pain, I have to deal with it. And I have to meet the storm head on. I cannot numb because I know through all the like spiritual work I've done on myself, I know that numbing prolongs it. And I was like, all right, God, like you are really throwing me in the eye of the hurricane and I'm going to just face it. Like I'm not going to numb out. I'm not going to distract myself. I'm going to sit with this and be as present as possible and feel every feeling. And it was so powerful and transformative, but excruciating at the same time. And again, there were so many times I was like, I wish I could just go numb out in a way. But then then what? Then I'm going to deal with this for like three years that's going to be in the background? No, I was like, I'm going to meet this and then leave it in my year nine, hopefully. But I think... Going on that though, it is the most challenging to do that, but it is also the most rewarding. Yeah. And I think you that, grow a lot for sure. But when you're in it, it doesn't feel rewarding. No. When, when night after night you're just sitting there and these feelings are coming up and you're sitting with them, you're not just doing things to distract yourself over and over like most people yeah. do. And so sometimes it can feel like, where's the, where's the light at the end of the tunnel? And for me, it's like, there's just moments where I don't know if you experienced this, but let me know. It's just the motion's gone. Yeah, it's just well, like there'll be moments where you felt it. You don't know when, you know how long. It's been like maybe yeah. I'll sit with it for a day. And then all of a sudden I can feel it leave my body. Yeah. And then you're just like, Yes. Well, when grief comes up, it's asking to be honored. So you need to sit with it. And of course, you need to know your own limitations. Like there's a time when you sit and you cry and you lie on the floor of your apartment and you just cry it out for like hours, whatever, really go there. And then there are moments where you're like, I need to get up, put myself together 
go outside, go to nature, go see a friend, right? It's about like having that, that balance too. But you're right. It's like the emotions will hit you out of nowhere. And I think it's important to, again, you have to honor them and you don't even know like the grief that you're feeling or the sadness that you're feeling. It might not even be about the moment that you think it is, right? So again, like a lot of my pain came from my health issues and and my breakup and I stopped making music and uh, was in a new city, all of these things that really shook me. And um, all these things were attached to my identity too. And, you know, when grief was coming up, it was like, is it really about like my health issue right now? Or is it, you know, something from the past that I didn't actually sit with. So that's another thing to think about too. It's like when you actually open the floodgates to like feel something, it might be something from childhood that like you don't even realize you're still working through. And you're like, wow, this is coming up. Like I didn't even think I cared about this anymore, right? So yeah, I think just honoring those feelings and honoring yourself is just so important, even though it is the most challenging work I think you will ever do. For me personally, like emotional pain is like, was always my biggest fear. Never wanted to sit with it. Never wanted to sit in it. And I never really did until now, you know? I mean, of course, when I had moments in the past, like, you know, my grandma died, things like that, I did. But when I went full into the hurricane this year, that was a whole new level. I feel that, especially as a man yeah. dealing with emotions. I feel like I was definitely avoidant. Yeah, and same. I've always been avoidant. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm not going to deal with that whatever, it's done, it's over, move on. Mm-hmm. And you know, probably that like, the, I mean, you really sat with your shit this year. I'm sure there were things coming up for you that you were like, whoa, I didn't know that impacted me so much, but it did. Mm-hmm. And you want to know what the most helpful, one of the most helpful things about it, my process. So for me, I needed to separate the story from the feeling. Mm, and so- Yes, the story we tell ourselves about the thing too. That is so right. important. I'm glad that you brought that up. So yes. When I'm feeling emotions, I'm actually consciously letting the story be noise, letting it be there, but mm-hmm. I'm not like attached to this is the truth of why this yeah. is coming up. Because if you think about it, if you have an energy of vibration, it could be multifaceted. It could be like if it's strings or like timelines, it could be like there's one part of the timeline where I was bullied as a kid. Then it might come up, oh, well, maybe I got bullied in another way, like 10 years later, or I felt that same feeling of being bullied, even though I maybe wasn't bullied. Yeah. And so it's like, it, it might come up as one story, but what the truth may be is that it's multiple stories just being asked to be uh, felt. And I think as a man, it can be difficult to feel like it's okay to do that. But I think one of the most important things as a man that you can realize is that if you understand the dynamics of when to feel feelings, Mm -hmm. because there's a time as a man to warrior up, to do the things that you need to do. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. There's a time to sit on the floor in your apartment and cry. And there's a time to put your big girl pants on and get outside. Yeah, and or again, same with the man. The big man pants yeah, on, yeah. especially you know if you're in a relationship and your woman needs you to be grounded. Your woman needs you to show up in that moment. Yeah. Maybe that's not the time to feel the emotions. Maybe, it, well, that's maybe so you important. Ne- the timing too, right? So maybe you need to re- start to just realize, hey, if I'm 
if I'm doing things where people are counting on me, or I need to be able to count on myself to show up for myself, maybe this isn't, is not the time to feel it, but that doesn't mean I'm never going to feel it. You just understand if I'm at home in my room and there's no one else around, that's, it's okay. You can sit with yourself. Yeah. And so having We've that- We've got to carve out that time too. And that was something I did this year where I would specifically be like, okay, I'm going to stay home tonight and be completely alone and turn off my phone. And whatever comes up, comes up. Like you have to carve out that time when you know emotions might be coming up. You know, a lot of people don't do that. But like you said, like, okay, I'm going to schedule this time, like go to my room and do. They're back. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys can come in if you want. The Galactic Maya expert is here. We'll see you on the podcast soon. Ow. Tomorrow night. Let's go. How was the food? I like it. Got ice cream. Wait, oh, did you like cream. the burger? Yeah. Nice. Wasn't it better than farmland? No. no. Farmland. Really? Isn't that what it's called? <laughs> farm burger. Oh, farm burger. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll finish up then. Um, yeah, I usually do a last question, but you've already done it. I didn't even mean twice. to. You didn't know you did it twice. Every other podcast, I've asked you the question already, so we don't need to do it. It's oh. like my last message to humanity question. But you know what? Okay, let's do it real quick. What, what's your, if you had to give a message to people right now, what would it be? If there's something that's coming up. Um, Whatever. It doesn't have to be super complicated. Oh, man. I don't even know. Uh, sit with your feels. You're going to be okay. <laughs> there it is. I feel like that's the theme of the <laughs> yeah, second half. Right. So that'll Go work. watch Lord of the Rings if you're feeling down. It will brighten your day. Boom. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll have the... You're doing the planners, right? Yeah. The planners are fire. Thank you. The yeah. link to those will be in the description. Yeah. The well, numerology personal year planner. So there's a year cycle for everyone, a year planner for everyone for each year cycle. It helps you align with uh, the year and the themes and every single month. It tells you what you're going to be dealing with. It has exercises in there for you to just like track your cycles and, and suggestions on what to do within each cycle. So it's really powerful. And actually, a lot of people have told me that they like to do them with their friends or like a lot of people have reached out saying they do them with their husbands or their wives together, which is really cool because when you start to track the cycles of the people around you, I mean, even that, that's a whole other level of coming into flow and synchronicity. So definitely recommend doing that. Boom. All right. I'm going to be doing it. Yeah. Are you going to be doing it? I mean, I created the plan. <laughs> I created the planner for myself. And then at, when I did it, I was like, should I just make these for everyone? It was a total creative urge. And then I made nine, 135 pages each planner for each year's cycle which was super challenging because I'm not a designer or anything, but I just was like a dog with a bone. I was like, the the people need this. Like, I couldn't believe it didn't exist before. And I wanted everyone to be able to, you know, come into a cosmic flow with their lives and to manifest what they want. Because again, just knowing your personal year cycles is enough to change your life. So that's why I created these planners. All right. Link will be in the description. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Round three. I know. God, I can't wait to see where we are in round four. I feel like we do these each. There's like a year between each one. There has been. Where are we going to be a year from now? We'll find out. Maybe we'll get you back on sooner. Imagine. I, we'll pro- I'll probably see you sooner. We'll see. We'll yeah. see what happens. It'll come naturally. Yeah. All right. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Good night.
And so if you want to check out her planners and her numerology course, that will be in the description. Thank you very much for being here on the Human Game Podcast, and I hope you got value from it. All the links to everything mentioned in the podcast will be in the description or the show notes. Check that out down below, and we will see you in the next episode of the Human Game Podcast. And until then, peace.